Hey guys, welcome to the Health Addict Show. Before we get started though, I wanna cover a couple things. This show is for entertainment purposes only, meaning I am not your doctor. So if you have questions or concerns about your own health, please ask a physician, okay? Get the right information for you. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Alright everybody, welcome back to the Health Addict Show. I'm your host Tommy J. We got another good episode for you today. We're going to talk about cocaine, everybody's favorite recreational drug. I'm kidding, but it's a good drug to really talk about because it has a long medicinal history with us too. It's not just been on the streets for a long time, but it's also been used very heavily in the medical field and is still used in the medical field today as an anesthetic. So it's a really good drug to talk about, and we'll talk a little bit more about street stuff with it, but for the most part, we're going to continue on to the health part of cocaine. But a couple things in the news so far, as we can all tell, COVID cases are at an all-time low for a very long time, almost since July, I believe, especially here in Michigan. I know in other areas too, California, the southern states, and a lot of the northern states have seen a significant drop in COVID cases across the U.S., which is super awesome. We really want to see these cases drop. I mean, we've been hammered in the medical field by COVID, to so finally have some kind of relief from all this stuff is just fantastic. It's almost like a sense of normalcy. We can actually start getting the hospital running at a normal rate. So hopefully the cases keep getting lower and lower and lower. Transmission becomes less available with the amount of vaccines that everyone's been taking. And maybe we'll even get rid of the masks. But that's a long way away. But point is, COVID cases are on the downside, which is a fantastic thing. In other news, though, the weather is getting warmer. So that means... Bugs and bugs are a heavy transmitter of diseases, especially viruses. But the reason I bring that up is because Pennsylvania has seen an increase in their tick population, especially carrying deer tick virus. Now, ticks have been known to carry a lot of other things along with them, including Lyme disease and Lone Star illness. But the main thing to consider with deer tick viruses, it's its infection times. A lot of viruses, when they get infected by such as uh, Animalia or Insectica, is was it takes time, except for mosquitoes, obviously. But a lot of them take time to actually come in because there has to be saliva transfer and uh, the blood transfer from one blood-sucking organism to another. But the point of this is, deer tick virus is extremely dangerous. I mean, within 15 minutes of a tick latching on, it can pass this virus to the person, which is huge because there's a lot of neuro diseases that come with deer tick virus. So some people who exhibit some deer tick virus issues include fever, headache, vomiting, and weakness, but a lot of people don't have any symptoms. But 91% of people who are infected with deer tick virus do develop some kind of neuroinvasive disease. This makes it extremely important to get that tick off of you as soon as possible. Ticks are terrible for disease. And that's why we need to be very careful when going through brush, tall grass, playing out in the woods to make sure we get ticks off of each other. Now, how do we get a tick off of us safely? Now, there's a couple of ways to get rid of a tick, but the most important way is to use tweezers. You can use alcohol and other soaps and other things that the tick doesn't essentially like, but by using tweezers, you know you removed the tick completely and got rid of its head, the body, everything else. So what you wanna do is disinfect the area first, 
grab the tick by the head with the scissors. It's very important not to grab it by its body because if you leave the head in, you're leaving the infection source in. So grab it by the head, yank that bugger right out and then disinfect the area afterwards. We really wanna make sure that we're eliminating the way that, that ticks infect us and making sure we don't have room for contamination. Now, things to remember again, because you don't know how long that tick's been in there. I mean, if you were out in the woods for 15 minutes, you come in, you know the tick's only been there for 15 minutes. But for a lot of us, we go outside and play, we have a picnic, we go out and play in the grass, and then maybe hours later we come back and there's a tick on us, hopefully not attached. More importantly though, if you start developing a fever or rash after having a tick bite, that's an important reason to go see a doctor. You might be having an infection or allergic reaction to it. Secondly, if you cannot get the tick off, this is another important time to go seek medical attention. You need to get that tick off of you as soon as possible. So, moral of the story is, remove the tick, make sure you get rid of the head, use the tweezers, and don't get bit by ticks. Reduce your chances of even getting a tick on you and you won't even have to worry about it. Now remember, even though deer tick virus or Lone Star virus or any of the Powassian viruses that you can get from a tick are rare, you still don't want to even have that chance. So take care of yourself, folks, okay? It's summertime. We want to have fun. We don't want to spend indoors sick. All right, let's talk about one of my favorite drugs to really talk about. I think it's a very important drug to talk about because, like I said, it's a long history in the medical field, and that is cocaine. Now, cocaine comes from the coca plant, usually down in the southern regions in South America because it needs a warm climate to live in. And then that's where it's produced, kind of refined by whoever creates cocaine into the powder that we normally see today. Cocaine is described in many different ways. We may call it blow, see, coca, coke. It might be refined and put into something like baking powder to which it does make something called crack cocaine or it makes flake. And we also call it snow. Now, there's a kind of a big difference between crack cocaine and cocaine. Like I said, crack cocaine is made with another substitute, uses like a baking powder or some other substance to make it crystallize. And actually when you smoke it now versus snorting it or injecting it, this allows the user to get the cocaine faster into the system and actually makes a crackly noise when you smoke it. Now again, the inhalation route is a much faster route than the snorting route or the injecting route. But the point of the process is you can take this drug many different ways. Now, cocaine didn't always have the street rep that it always had. It was actually a very highly medicinal use back in the day, especially in the early 1900s. It was used as an anesthetic for many procedures. Now, the first use of cocaine was more like a panacea. What that means is it's like a tonic. You would make a tonic drink out of it, and you could drink it, and a lot of users felt better after drinking this drink, obviously for many reasons. But it wasn't until Dr. Carl Kohler used it in an ocular surgery that we realized its anesthetic powers and use in the medical field. After this, the whole use of it exploded. I mean, for a long time, we saw a huge jump in cocaine use in the medical field because it was thought to cure a lot of things and help tremendously with pain, anesthetics, and overall, overall improvement in the surgical process. Because remember, anesthesia is really not that old of a field. We're only messing around with the last couple hundred years. There wasn't a really good way to anesthetize areas or put someone under when they were having a very complicated surgery. So for this cocaine to come into play, it was a huge step in the overall way to treat patients. But like anything with medicinal value or properties such as cocaine with its euphoric feelings, there was no a huge way for it to be abused. So eventually it hit the streets, grew up in the crime lord areas, and eventually was used as a non-medicinal way and as a street drug. 
Now, cocaine is still used a lot, especially by ears, nose, and throat doctors, otolaryngology. Um, but mostly it's used for those type of very easily local anesthetic procedures that you don't need a total amount of anesthesia to use, but just something to localize pain. We actually have a lot of derivatives of cocaine that we see every day too. Benzocaine, Novocaine. These drugs have been genetically kind of altered to help with less of an euphoric feeling as cocaine has and more of the anesthetic approach that it can be used. Now there's huge reasons why cocaine is abused. One, you have a lot of short-term effects. One is like extreme happiness and energy. You get a huge burst of energy and mental alertness. This is because your brain is dumping huge amounts of dopamine all at once. And you have a dopamine reuptake system that helps kind of level off your brain so you're not in this constant euphoric feeling. Well, cocaine interrupts that process. So dopamine can't be reuptaked into the brain and its channels and your sensors are just staying flooded with dopamine. This really, really messes up your neurotransmitters in your brain. And that's why we see a lot of other side effects with it. And that includes hypersensitivity to sight, sound, and touch. You might see some irritability and increased paranoia. And as weird as it sounds, there is a huge amount of documentation with paranoia and cocaine. And it's a lot has to deal with this scratching fever of bugs feeling underneath your skin. So you'll see with people who are abusive and abusive with cocaine, they'll have a tremendous amount of scarring and scratching because they will scratch at their skin because they feel like something's just crawling underneath it. Another term that we'll use this is formication is the word for that itchy feeling underneath the skin. Now, there's a big reason that we worry about cocaine, all right? And it's, there's a reason it's a Schedule 2 drug. If there wasn't such a medicinal use for it, it'd probably be scheduled as a Schedule 1. But because there's such a high use of medicine for cocaine, it's a Schedule 2. But here's the reason why we're so worried about cocaine. And because it's addictive properties, there's a lot of chronic abuse that comes with it. And there's some severe side effects that comes after that. If it was just paranoia and skin scratching, we probably wouldn't care as much about it. But the point is, there's a lot of other side effects that happen with it. And these side effects are well documented. They're not just some like here and there possible chance. There are very highly likely chances with chronic abuse that these will take place. And that includes irregular heartbeat, stroke, and heart attack. And this has to do with the other properties of it, and that includes constricted blood vessels and irregular blood pressure volatilization, raised temperatures, tremor twitching, restlessness, nausea. All these things contracted together at the same time cause massive issues in the body, and you're messing with the actual neurotransmitters in your brain. So it's impossible to really regulate your body well when you're on cocaine. Not to mention, there's a lot of problems that happen from just ingesting cocaine. For once, snorting, you lose your loss of smell, your increased nosebleeds, and a lot of other inhalation problems from snorting and smoking it. Smoking is terrible for you. It can cause asthma, and put you in respiratory distress, or ARDS as we all know about it, and it puts you at a high risk for infection. Especially if you're doing needle injections. I'm talking about, I mean, you're already a high risk for HIV. A lot of these people are sharing needles. They're not really doing cleansing and good technique. So you have a high risk for hepatitis as well and other bloodborne illnesses that come from sharing needles like that. Not to mention, if you're not good at cleaning the site post-injecting needle, the site can get infected and then you have a lot of other issues including that. And if for some reason all that wasn't a good reason not to do cocaine, then think about this. The people that usually make cocaine, crack cocaine, all the other good ones, aren't usually the most respectable people. And they might even mix stuff with it. And one of the biggest things that could be mixed with uh, cocaine is fentanyl, which a combination of cocaine and fentanyl is a terrible cocktail for somebody. It's unbelievably terrible, especially with respiratory depression. It's not a highly good choice for somebody. 
And you don't know what other, other solvents that they're using to cut cocaine with. These other chemicals could be extremely harsh and toxic to the body. Now, there isn't really a good treatment for cocaine addiction either. I mean, cocaine works on a very different system than a lot of the other drugs that we see. So it's not something that we can just give naloxone or famazenil for. These are some, this is a terrible drug to treat for. And that's why so many people suffer that become chronic users of cocaine. So really, the only thing we can do as medical professionals when someone comes in for a cocaine overdose or other treatment for cocaine is really just treat the symptoms that come with it, making sure the patient's stable, we'll treat high blood pressure if we have to, we'll treat the sedational effects that happen, we'll have to treat the neuroses and the other stimulating facts of it. But the point is we have to treat the patient for the symptoms. We can't specifically treat the cocaine. So when a patient comes in for cocaine, it's best to just stay to the side, treat the irritability, kind of let them wane off of it. But most of the time, someone that's on cocaine has been on it for a long time and they'll go into depression very quickly. So there's a really, they're going to need a 12-step process to really help them get to where they need to be. But that's it, folks. That's everything about cocaine and how it's affecting people and how we see it in the emergency room. So Hopefully this helps you. Hopefully you'll not see somebody that's on cocaine, but you know, it happens. You see, we're here to treat people. We're not here to judge people. So most of what we can do is just help someone. Most of the time it doesn't, but you know what? We're here to help in as best way we can. So I hope you enjoyed this. If you want to follow more, I suggest going to the other formats and following them, especially Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and also LinkedIn. If you want to keep up to date on new things coming down the road, if you have any questions or concerns, please message me either through email using the website or other forms of media, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. And if there's something you'd like to see also, please message me. I'd be happy to talk about it. Stay addicted to your health. Have a wonderful day, and I will see you all next time.